Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. Hey everyone, in my message on Monday discussing George Floyd and the fight against racism, I mentioned the responsibility we have as machine learning and AI practitioners to ensure that the tools we're building are fair and responsible and don't reinforce racial and socioeconomic biases. As a follow-up, we've curated a playlist on the topic of fairness, ethics, and bias in machine learning and AI, topics we discuss frequently here on the podcast. I encourage you to check these episodes out and engage in conversations about these issues with your teams and in your work. In addition, on Monday, June 8th, we're hosting another interactive viewing session. This time, I'll be joined by my friend Ruman Chaudhry, Managing Director and Global Lead of Responsible AI at Accenture. Please join us to watch the interview and for a live Q&A session in the chat. To register, head over to twimmelaicom 381viewing. And now, enjoy today's show, which comes from the recent panel discussion we held on advancing your data science career during the global pandemic. Hey everyone, welcome to our program. Today, I am really excited to be joined by an amazing panel to take on the topic of advancing your data science career during the pandemic. Uh, my panelists today are Caroline Xavier. Caroline is CEO of the Alliance.com and co-founder of Paris Women in Machine Learning and Data Science. Anna Maria Echeverry. Anna is a AI skills growth and strategy lead at IBM. Hillary Mason, who is working on her next venture uh, and is formerly the GM of machine learning at Cloudera Fast Forward Labs, and Jacqueline Nolis. Jacqueline is principal data scientist at Brightloom and author of Build a Career in Data Science. So I don't think we need a lot of context setting for this discussion. Uh, we've all probably heard the word unprecedented thrown around a lot more than we can stand. Uh, but that doesn't make it any less the case. Uh, as of early May here in the U.S., at least, unemployment had risen to almost 15 percent, the worst that we've seen since the Great Depression, with over 20 million jobs lost in April. Uh, but beyond the magnitude of these numbers, the time frame in which this is all played out has made things extremely challenging. Uh, we've seen changes that might have otherwise taken months to play out during a quote-unquote regular recession, if that means anything, uh, happened in just a few weeks uh, starting in, uh, in March. Uh, certainly, many in the data science community have been impacted by this situation. We've seen uh, senior folks, data scientists and machine learning engineers impacted by layoffs at communities that just a few weeks ago couldn't hire enough of them. We've seen new graduates finishing their degrees and boot camps looking for opportunities during very challenging times. Uh, and we've seen folks with secured offers and internships who now need to reevaluate their plans. So today we're here to talk about what you can do as a data scientist to navigate this uncharted territory uh, from a career perspective. Before we dive in, a couple of quick notes. Uh, first, I want to send a huge thanks to our friends at IBM for sponsoring this discussion. IBM is committed to educating and supporting data scientists and bringing them together to overcome technical, societal, and career challenges. Through the IBM Data Science Community site, which has over 10,000 members, they provide a place for data scientists to collaborate, share knowledge, and support one another. This is a great place to connect with other data scientists and to find information and resources to support your career. Go to twimmelai.com slash IBM community to join and get a free month of select IBM programs on Coursera. Next, we want to make sure that this is an interactive discussion. We'll be keeping an eye on the comments that you submit via the YouTube chat. And it's really my sincere hope that you drive a good part of our discussion today. Finally, we will be bringing you more discussions like this on a wide range of topics. Uh, so if you'd like to be notified when we schedule future conversations, head over to twimmelai.com newsletter and subscribe there. Uh, so I'd like to get started by having our panelists introduce themselves. 
Why don't we start with you, Caroline? Tell us a little bit about your background and the perspective that you're bringing to our conversation today. Yes, thank you, Sam. Um, so my name is Caroline Xavier. I am a French tech AI recruiter. I have been one for the last seven years. Uh, so tonight, I hope to share very pragmatic pieces of advice and you know have another perspective as a recruiter. Um, I am not just a recruiter. I also co-founded the Paris WeMLDS chapter. Uh, WeMLDS stands for Women in Machine Learning and Data Science. So it's a global organization uh, which aims at promoting and supporting women and gender minorities in machine learning and data science. So it takes a lot of my time, but recently I also uh, founded my own company called The Alliance. And via my company, I want to help companies reach excellence in hiring. What do I mean by that? Um, designing the best recruitment process, engaging the best candidates, having the most amazing diversity inclusion program. And I know it's a tough um, goal, but I want to, to go for it. And I'm happy to be with you tonight. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Anna? Yes. Thank you, Sam. So my name is Anna Echeverri, and uh, I work for IBM. I lead our AI education um, programs team. And um, I went into the world of data science about 10 years ago when I decided to go back to school and get a Master of Science in Analytics. Prior to that, my undergrad was a computer engineering degree, and I had an MBA, and I had um, had multiple different roles in the technology industry, uh, services, uh, sales, marketing. And I decided I wanted to reorient my career into data science, so uh, that's what I did. I'm excited to be here today in my current role. I work a lot with internal and external people that are in the process of upskilling for, for the world of AI, uh, which is going to be pervasive pretty soon. Um, so I'm hoping to share those experiences I've had as I've been able to have these conversations with others and share that expertise here. All right, great. And Hillary? Hi, everyone. I'm Hillary Mason. I'm pretty excited to be joining this discussion today. I've been working in machine learning and data science for about 20 years, starting uh, first in academia and then transitioning to industry. Um, I like to build things. Starting about 10 years ago, I've been primarily in management roles, um, leading data science teams as a chief scientist, as a CEO of my own company, um, as a general manager. Uh, and then I started a new company in the last uh, couple of months, which has been its own interesting experience. Um, but one of the, the great joys of uh, having been around and being a manager is that I get to help uh, launch some really brilliant careers. And uh, in this context, that means I've been having a lot of really deep uh, career conversations with folks across the data spectrum. So I'm pretty excited for this conversation today. Awesome. And Jacqueline? Hi, uh, my name is Jacqueline Nolas. I have a background in mathematics. I got undergrad, master's in math, PhD in industrial engineering. I've been doing data science for about 15 years now uh, and probably about eight or 10 of those as a consultant. So working as a data science consultant, becoming a director at a data science, director at a consulting firm, leading a team of data scientists, realizing that I didn't like the management tactics as much and much more like actually writing my own code. And so then working as a freelance consultant for a couple of years now. But um, with the uh, virus making consulting, independent consulting very difficult, I uh, last week started a new job at a company called Brightloom as a principal data scientist. So not only have I uh, am I on a panel about advancing your career in the pandemic, but I also have. <laughs> Um, and uh, I also, uh, I recently in the last year wrote a book with Emily Robinson, uh, Build a Career in Data Science, all about how to become a data scientist or become a more senior one, decide to be a manager, um, make all those sorts of career decisions. Awesome. Great. So uh, if you're in the audience, you uh, can see we've got a bunch of different perspectives here for us to uh, share with us. So uh, don't hesitate to get your comments in. Uh, via the chat. You know, I'd like to just start with uh, a, a a pretty broad question about, you know, what are each of you seeing and what is 
kind of different and unique about the environment that folks are facing right now from, you know, the, the particular perspectives that you're coming at things. We can start with you, Caroline. I'm not going to use the word unprecedented, but it's tempting. <laughs> um, in, Europe, <laughs> in Europe, as much as I have noticed, um, there was a decrease, a significant one of the job position being published online, meaning on LinkedIn and different job boards. So it was a 60% decrease, for instance, in France. Um, so there are two ways of analyzing it. Yes, there was less than usual, but there was still 40% of job offers being out there. So I would say that was different for, from a candidate perspective is that the, the, the number of opportunities was significantly less. So I could notice that candidates were a little bit more creative in the way they communicated online and the way they gave visibility to their work. So for instance, I saw people getting back to the recruiters that wrote to them in the past and that they ignored. And so it's interesting to see a switch from candidates not answering to recruiters, but now they go back. Um, and then I think I would like other uh, panelists to, to speak about that because uh, I also got the opportunity to help data scientists looking for a job. So I can also share with you the tips I gave to them. Awesome, Anna, how about you? What are you seeing? I think some of the main challenges that I'm seeing is the fact that a lot of uh, growth plans have been put on hold. So, you know, while, you know, and we work with a lot of clients around the world and it's uh, organizations that had significant plans to grow this year and hire additional data scientists to their teams are not necessarily saying this is not going to happen, but maybe not right now. So, so I think that has a significant impact, right? Because uh, it's been reduced, as Caroline was saying, it's been reduced. The number of jobs out there have been reduced significantly. Uh, I do think, however, that this is a temporary effect. So, so everything that brought the data science careers into the forefront and made it such a, a high demand job, those things still exist out there. I think it's just everyone is going through this adjustment process so uh, if anything, for, you know, from the perspective of people out there uh, looking for new jobs, it just means that they need to do more of what they were doing and, and really focus on doing it better and, and more being able to sell themselves better because the opportunities are going to be reduced uh, at least, you know, for, for, for a period of time that we don't know how long that's going to be. Jacqueline, you mentioned in our pre-chat that a lot of the process of finding your new position was the same, but it was just much harder. You know, yeah. How much harder? Elaborate on you know, what you experienced. So um, years ago, when I was looking for a job, I actually tweeted, you know, hi, I'm a data scientist looking in Seattle area. And I, you know, I got a certain number of like views of that tweet and I got a certain number of leads. And I tried doing that again about a month ago, a month and a half ago, and I got five times as many views and maybe a fifth the leads. So like basically a couple years ago when I did it, it's like, oh, what about this company, this company, blah, blah, blah. And then this time it was like, have you tried Amazon? Like it was just nothing. And mm -hmm. I was just astounded because my, my, my resume had stayed largely the same. If anything, it presumably got better. Um, but it was just like, it was just total silence. Um, and you know, I was able to get a job and I'm very happy with this new job, very excited about it. But just the number of opportunities is just minuscule compared to what it was a few years ago. How about you, Hillary? You're, you're talking to a bunch of folks out there. What kind of experiences are they having? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll take the perspective here of people who are hiring, because um, I've spent a fair bit of time focusing on building teams. I have a lot of friends and colleagues who are in that position. And I think it speaks to the, of course, there are fewer positions open, but the types of positions that will remain open will not be the ones where it's like, let's hire some data people and throw them at a, the wall and see what they manage to make for us. The ones that are open are the people who have a business generally at some scale where there is something to optimize and they know they need a certain set of skills to do that. And those folks are gleeful about some of the talent coming on the market. Um, 
so it's not, you know, all doom and gloom. I'll just say from where I'm sitting, I'm seeing from that perspective, the landscape of opportunity that exists has changed pretty dramatically in the direction. I mean, there have always been a bunch of flavors of data science jobs, some very research oriented, some very, you know, you optimize one metric and that is all you do. Um, many in between, uh, many, you know, in the the sort of you're the bridge from the the data and tech into a business unit, like maybe you're working with financial um, reporting. Um, you'll see more more jobs that are a clear need where there's, you know, revenue and growth already attached and fewer of the highly speculative, fewer research type positions right now. Um, and that's from the, the folks who are hiring and creating those positions. Mm. Um, so Anna brought up uh, an interesting point that uh, I'll segue into one of the questions that we've gotten, uh, and that is that we're, you know, immediately prior to the pandemic was uh, a period where, you know, data scientist was uh, an extreme growth, you know, area, growth opportunity, growth career. And as a result of that, we've had Lots of people joining training programs, boot camps. Uh, over the past few years, uh, traditional educational institutions have spun up uh, data science programs. So we've got not just folks that are, you know, experienced and and in positions impacted by layoffs, but new data scientists. And so we've got a question uh, from Willie Costello, you know, what's your advice for new data scientists that are trying to break into uh, the field for the first time? Anna? So I talk to a lot of people in that same situation, right? They, they, they've done the work of going back to school, joining a bootcamp, taking uh, different online courses, and really focused on, on getting the skills to go into a job of data science. My main advice would be do not stay there. Um, so one thing that I see that's very common is people that come to me with, I've got this certificate or I did this course. Uh, my next question is always going to be, how have you used those skills? You know, have you been able to bring them into your current job? Have you been able to come up with um topics that interest you and, you know, what have you done with the skills? So my main advice will be as you work on acquiring the actual skills, sort of from the learning perspective, find ways to put those into practice. Because I think, especially in, a, in an environment right now where the opportunities are limited, um, we will prioritize people that kind of bring that element of not, and, and it's not just the, the sort of official, formal, real-world projects, but also the drive. They, they, I did not just, you know, took, take these classes, but I just went in and came up with this interesting hypothesis and I built something around it. Right, like all these like cool, researchy, innovative data science jobs, they're really, um, they're the ones getting hit the hardest. Right, the jobs that are like the jobs that a lot of them are staying around are the analyst jobs, right? And I think as a data scientist, or if you want to get into the science field, you it's often you lots of times see this attitude of like I'll accept nothing less than the title of data scientist. But there are jobs that are not quite titled data science, but use a lot of the same techniques, skills, and are great building blocks to help you future your you know future grow your career. And so especially in a time like this where things are so volatile, um, finding a job that like meets the criteria of a lot of the things of data science, uses numbers, you have to play with numbers, you get to play with data, things like that, but maybe isn't exactly what you want to do. Like that is so worthwhile um, in a way that wasn't true six months ago. On the, the topic of building a portfolio, and, and I'm going to come back to your uh, your point in, in a minute, Jacqueline, but on the, the returning to the topic of building a portfolio, uh, Myrtle Janot asks, what kind of projects would you expect to see or want to see uh, in a portfolio? Anna? One of the things, before I talk about the, what type of projects, um, I think it's very important to have your, your GitHub repository very much up to date. So that's one thing that we usually look at. And, and I know, you know, when we're working on a resume, we're more focused on what we put on the resume. But a lot of times, if you're not adding your GitHub account, uh, these automatic systems can actually even discount your resume altogether before, before they even bring you to, to a recruiter. In our case at IBM, because we everything that we do is so 
open source driven. So I personally look for projects uh, leveraging Python uh, because that's where uh, a lot of our clients are working with technology. So, so I want to see people that have been able to uh, really work across so the whole you know cycle of the, building a hypothesis and preparing data and, and, and building some models and isolating your best model um, using Python. But I, there's something that I always look for that, it, that goes beyond the technical capabilities. And it's, I like to be able to infer your curiosity levels. And that's something that for me is very important because I find that people with very high curiosity levels tend to be really solid data scientists and, and really are able to deliver a lot of business value. So, so it's not so much the, you know, I use this technique or I do use this other technique. I, I'm, I like to see the process. I like to see how you thought through uh, a question that you had, a hypothesis that you had, and how you uh, brought that to something that would allow someone to make, to make a better decision around that topic. Mm. I can jump in with one observation as someone who's done quite a lot of hiring requiring people to put things on GitHub is uh, really difficult because certain people are open to harassment if they do that, just due to the nature of who they are. And so I'd really encourage folks to take a step back and say, what do we want to get out of seeing a candidate that has written code in public? Um, and are we going to provide other ways for them to demonstrate that they are capable of writing code, uh, that they've accomplished things, that they have their name on things? Um, and so I'd really encourage folks, especially people hiring, to be very thoughtful about what you require on those applications because you will be uh, excluding a fair number of people from your candidate pool or forcing them to take on some kind of risk that really isn't appropriate or evenly distributed. But then I'd also like to reinforce the point about creativity and curiosity. And I think that in so many discussions of data science, we focus on the technical capabilities like, do you know PyTorch? Do you know Python? Um, but actually what makes a great professional is that curiosity and creativity. And we assume you're going to be able to learn what you need to learn as you go. And like, frankly, nothing that I use today existed when I was in school. Um, and so really looking for folks who have the ability to know when they should uh, start to learn something new too. Awesome. Caroline, did you have something to add? I agree with both Anna and Hilary, um, my advice is always to harmonize everything that is going to present your background and your work, meaning I don't want to find different information, whether it's on LinkedIn or GitHub or Kaggle. So first, no, no matter if you're a junior person jumping into data science or a senior person, try to look for harmony in what you describe uh, about you. And I agree with what Hilary said, because there are biases and we should not expect all candidates to have public repos repositories. Um, however, I always encourage candidates to try to build the bridges between the expectation of a company, you know, look at their blog post, see what kind of technical issues they face, the technologies they use. And even if you have a different kind of background, try to narrow the, the difference and make it easier for a recruiter to uh, point out why you are a relevant candidate. It can be curiosity. It can be the time you spend on training yourself. It can be, you know, I was teaching kids how to code. This stuff, uh, this kind of stuff, we all need to value what we do. And just to build a little bit further on all these really great points, I mean, I think it's just like, just be passionate about it. Like mm -hmm. one cool blog post or like one, I saw like one time I hired a person cause she made a really cool Power BI dashboard about a theme park. And it's just like, I love that stuff, right? Like just one small interesting thing that's gonna hook me in does so much better than a Jupyter notebook with 10,000 lines of Python mm -hmm. showing that you use TensorFlow, I guess, but I don't know cause I can't really follow what's going on in it. Like just, if you are gonna put something out there just make it like, make it something someone's, you know gonna be a little intrigued by. Um, and like that involves like really just like being curious as was discussed, but like, yeah, just like get, add some zest, like make it about you. 
Jacqueline, did you find that the portfolio what played as big a role in your recent job search as a more senior candidate? Um, you know, it was fun in interviews to be like, oh, actually, I wrote a book on that. Um, that, that was fun. Um, <laughs> the thing that, so here's the interesting thing. I don't think very often that like necessarily they like, oh, I looked at your GitHub page and I saw this package and, you know, I looked at line 27 and I saw you really did something clever there. So I'm going to hire you. It wasn't like that. <laughs> but what was happened was like they loosely saw, oh, you'd have some cursory, like they cursory saw I have some knowledge on this. You know, like I like for one of my side projects one time, I uh, made a neural network that I trained to generate offensive license plates um, using a historic data set of Arizona offensive license plate. And it was like, I'd never used a neural network before. And this taught me neural nets. And then I went on to implement that at like a massive company in like a huge ML pipeline. And I only learned it because of that silly side project. And so what know, did the these... company do with all those offensive license plates <laughs> that you generated? Monetize, 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 monetize. Um, <laughs> Like just this knowledge, you yeah. know, just learning this stuff really helps. And them seeing that like, oh, you clearly, like I gave a talk about this and that caused that, you know, like like just seeing the excitement build really goes a lot farther than showing that you know a particular technique or a particular couple lines of clever code. So we've talked uh, about things for people new to data science. We've talked about folks that uh, have uh, experience. Caroline, have you run into um, folks that are career switching? So they've got experience in some career, but are trying to transition into data science? And do you have any unique perspective for them? Yes, indeed. And on this topic, I have a lot of uh, beautiful stories, thanks to the WMLDS chapter in Paris, because, um, for instance, we chose to run our meetups only in English to be inclusive to foreigners joining um, Paris. And uh, we have helped astrophysicists, mathematicians wanting to switch uh, from their initial field into data science. So I would really encourage people to connect with the support group. It can be our ladies, WMLDS, Women Who Code, um, even the online platforms such as Twitter, um, Kaggle. Um, sometimes Stack Overflow can be useful on this topic as well. But, you know, to connect to people who might have done the same switch as you, to first know that people have done it so you can do it, to get also insights of where are these people working. So it means that possibly these companies could be hiring you. And I really believe in the strength of network offline and online. And right now with the pandemic, you have to make it as much, as much as possible online. So these support groups are existing. Um, so if you want one example, because you know I don't want to just uh, give ideas, I want to give working ideas. Um, we had a, a mathematician, she was American and she came to Paris and you know she didn't know where to send her application. So one of our uh, members uh, referred her in, in her company and at the end of the day, she got hired. And the thing is, she asked for help in order to prepare herself for the phone interview with the recruiter, because it was the first time for her that she was going to present her background for a new job that she hasn't done. So this is something. Ask for support and don't try to remain isolated. One of the topics that came up in our, our pre-chat was the idea that you know, there's a difference between a data science job and a good data science job. And that uh, as anxious as we all are about, you know, unprecedented times and, um, you know, as important as, as jobs are that, you know, there's, uh, if you can be a little bit more discriminating in the way you pursue opportunities, that will have long-term benefits for you. I, I think it was you, Hillary, who originally brought that point up. Can you elaborate on it? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I find somewhat astounding still about data science is that if you go read data scientist job descriptions at a bunch of different companies, they're all different. 
Um, and you'll realize, like, once you start looking at these positions, that they actually uh, work really differently. So some are centralized teams. Sometimes you're the only data scientist on your team. Sometimes you're in a group that's responsible for operational analytics and making some predictions, but you're not doing machine learning. Sometimes you're in a research team. Uh, you sit in different places in the org. You have different types of managers and management experiences. Um, and then you layer on top of that all of the complexity of choosing a company to work at anyway. So, you know, is it a supportive culture, a combative culture, a political culture? Um, do they really invest in their own people and grow their careers? Or is it more of a burn them out, churn them out sort of place? Um, so there, there are a lot of things to consider when you think about what's a data science job and what's a good data science job and what's the best data science job for you. Um, and it is always hard to find those good and, and best jobs under any circumstances, much less now. And so I'd really encourage folks to be very thoughtful and ask a lot of questions about, you know, how does this team work together? Am I going to be the only data scientist on my team? And by the way, if you're entering your career, try to find a place where you can work with a team of people who have been doing it for a while because your first job is going to set you up for your second job and your third job. And the more you learn from people with experience, the faster you'll be able to grow. Not as much a concern if you're very senior and you're quite happy being the only data scientist on the team. Um, so it's really, there are all of these things to be thoughtful about, even beyond what is my title, what is my salary, you know, sort of how do we work together? And I think we don't, in our community, we don't really talk about those things nearly enough. No, can, and on that point, um, it's going to take you a while before you figure out what are the things you want in the job. Like, I think the first seven years of my career, I was switching jobs because like, no, I don't like this part. No, I don't like this part. No, I don't like this part. Like, it really took me a long time before I really got comfortable with like, okay, here are the things I have to have in a job. Here are the things that are nice to have. Here are the things I don't care about. And like for me now, this far in my career, like the thing that I need more than anything is if I'm like, hey, this is a good idea or hey, this is a bad idea. I actually have a chance of influencing the like the trajectory. And sometimes like at a big company, you may not get that. So that's something that's really important to me. But I know lots of data scientists who like if they just get to be in their corner doing their data science, they do not care if they get to influence the like long term term trajectory of stuff. So I think that point's totally right. I think it's fine. Like if you get into a job and it turns out you don't like something about it, that is not a failure of you. That is a very normal, natural part of this process. And like, it's just, a, it's a whole growing process. And these things change too, as you get more senior and your life goes on, what your priorities are uh, may change too. Yeah, I also yeah. like to think about it in terms of the things you hate less than other people hate them. So like maybe you may be at a point in your life where you don't mind working 60 to 80 hours a week. You may be at a point where you don't mind travel once we're allowed to do that again. But you office may be politics doesn't bother you a bit or that right? <laughs> Maybe you're great at office politics. Um, and so it's really figuring out yeah, what flavor of company and culture is going to be one where you can drive. And, and I would add to that, Hillary, what flavor of a job in the data science ecosystem, because this is this is not, you know, I think years ago, let's say, let's use another example. You were a database administrator. That was your job. And it was very clear. And I think when it comes to the field of data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, it's all this ecosystem of people that um, may have different roles at different stages throughout the build out of the solution. So, you know, you have business analysts and you have developers that, that are maybe consuming the output of a model and integrated into an application. You have people that are managing these models in production. And so, so I think a lot of one recommendation that I would give to people in the audience is explore all these sort of adjacent roles. Do, do not necessarily go with a job title when you're applying for a job, because as Hillary said, you, you put 10 companies and 10 job descriptions for a data scientists, and I, we can assure you that they're all going to be different. So, so do not go just by, by just a, a job title. Break that down into what it entails, what a job entails. Same with your skills. Instead of saying, oh, I'm a data scientist, or I'm this, or I'm that, really break it down to the skills that you have and, and bring those forward in a, in a conversation, in an interview. Because I think at the at the end, the most important thing is well, what can you do? What are you able to accomplish? And uh, and that uh, the the name for that umbrella may be different all over the place. 
Could I add one quick thing, which is to say also, I think we also have a notion that you have to progress on a ladder. Like you have to be a junior data scientist and a data scientist and a senior data scientist. And then maybe you face the existential crisis of like management and that philosophical uh, change in your role. And at least I may be a bad role model, but I've been a data scientist, a software engineer, a CEO, a corporate executive, the world's shittiest sysadmin. Like you can bounce back and forth uh, and do this pretty successfully. So look at your contribution. Yeah, and I really don't think, I think that's true. And I also don't think that one is necessarily better than the other. I think for some reason, there's a stigma that like machine learning engineering is superior to decision science or data science is superior to um, analysts. And like, there's a lot of these preconceived notions that are not true. And also like, if you, if you dig into them a little bit, they're really messed up. Um, so like, don't let the idea that like, oh, I, I am, I'm not, that job is beneath me because it's decision science, or I can't do that job because I'm only a decision scientist. Like, don't let that stuff hold you back. Caroline, I've got to imagine that as you work with candidates, you are faced with, you know, folks that aren't sure exactly what they want to do or folks that have lots of different job offers and need to choose between them. Is there a, you know, a framework that folks should, you know, keep in mind as they're trying to, uh, you know, either figure out what they want to do or evaluate different opportunities or point themselves in the right direction career-wise? Good question. Um, first of all, I think good candidates are informed and prepared candidates. Uh, meaning, I will second what Hilary said earlier, uh, before starting to apply to anything, have a look at the salary ranges, the companies hiring in the field you're targeting. I don't know if you have been enjoying scikit-learn or NumPy and you want to keep working on, on these libraries, look at the kind of applications and companies using those. Look at the experts in the field and maybe try to connect with them because right now they have much more time to dedicate to uh, peers, uh, aspiring data scientists to talk about their job and how, you know, they built their own careers. And usually, you know, it's a recruiter technique. Um, don't write to someone saying, hey, I'm looking for a job. You can do that if you are, if you are okay, but I think it's too aggressive. Uh, but write to someone, hey, I am wondering if, would you mind sparing me 15 minutes on a Zoom or Hangout call? And try, you know, to understand what you would be enjoying on a daily basis. So this applies to junior people. And then if you are experienced, the thing is, um, I'm always thinking about this uh, article, the engineer manager pendulum from Charity Myers, you know, the more you grow in the management ladder, the more it's going to be narrow for lo to look for your next step. So while you know that, get ready for describing your technical project, get ready to talk about your aspirations, get ready to talk about the technical issues you faced. Yes, I was modeling this algorithm. It was kicking us on the paper and then my, my data was noisy. So here is the solution I found. Um, prepare that as much as possible because no one can do that better than yourself, especially if you have a recruiter in between you and the hiring managers and the future team members. This might be a little bit less valid if you directly speak with a peer. Um, so that being said, Ask a colleague that you trust to make a fake interview with you to evaluate how much you need to get ready. Or you can list questions and ask for a member of your family to ask them to you. And you hear yourself, you correct yourself, and you become ready when you, know, you want to do great at an interview. So these are pragmatic pieces of advice I would like to, to point because um, the crisis stressed something. We are going to prioritize the candidates and the hunt is even more difficult than before. Mm. Uh, I want to take a few minutes to jump into, I mean, I've been following, pulling questions in from, uh, from the chat uh, throughout, but I want to jump into uh, a few of them. A lot of the questions are of the 
um, hey, do I need an X? You know, and an X might be a PhD or a Kaggle rating or um, a portfolio. We've talked quite a bit about that. You know, any specific responses to, you know, PhD or Kaggle ratings or- I'll go on, I'll tackle, I'll talk about both of those. So I have a PhD. <laughs> PhD, not a good idea. Don't get it. I mean, <laughs> not if you want to go be a data scientist in industry. Um, just because like, oh my God, it is so many years of your life. It is so much lost income. And the percentage of stuff you learn that's actually useful to working in industry is very small. There is some value. You learn how to learn. You learn how to kind of like do some portfolio building when making a dissertation, but nothing compared to actually the path of going into industry just before a PhD, which is not to say that you sh no one should ever get a PhD or that PhD won't ever help you. But just if your question is like, oh, I really want to go into data science. I don't know if I need a PhD or not. It's like, no, no, don't mm -hmm. beware. Um, and then the Kaggle score, um, this is kind of, this is like, it's like the same thing with the GitHub account where it's like, it comes this like weird metric where like, oh, you need a Kaggle, you want to apply, you don't even have a Kaggle score, right? Like you don't even have a GitHub. And it's like, no, you don't need these things. These things can be helpful, right? Being able to say like, look, I did this Kaggle competition. I did quite well. I can make a story around it. That could be helpful in an interview. Just like a GitHub portfolio can be helpful mm -hmm. in like a look, here's some things I can, I show you how you can did it. But there are a thousand ways you can show a person that you are capable at something. And the idea that you have to use a preset thing, right? Like you could, right? If you go to a conference, you give a talk, you can make a poster, you can make a cool website just for you. There's like a thousand things you can do that are show an interview. You have more capabilities than just what shows on a resume. And none of them have to fall into GitHub, Kaggle, doctorate. Um, and yeah. don't, don't. Can, can I add one thing to that? There's one thing that I actually find very useful and it's for someone to have their elevator pitch. So if you only have one minute with me, if you come up, you know, and send me an email on LinkedIn, for example, tell me why I, you know, I should be interested in talking to you. Tell me what you think is the value that you bring to the table. And, and that can be done in, you know, literally a few sentences. And it's much harder to do than it sounds. It's actually much harder to do than if I tell you, talk to me for an hour about your life story because you really need to bring it down to the most important things. But I, but I do find that that's very valuable as, you know, of course now we're all like locked in our houses, but if you're in a meetup and you can talk to someone, you can tell them, Hey, this is what I do. This is the value that I bring to the table. Uh, I find that, that every person should have their elevator pitch ready uh, when they have that opportunity via digital, via a face-to-face -face meeting, you know, whatever that is. Um, and I know we sometimes don't spend enough time thinking about that because we spend more time thinking about the project and the technical skills and all that. And it's like, summarize to me your value in a few sentences. And I can guarantee that that will get you, you know, doors open uh, uh, because it'll be easy to understand what the value. That's a nice way to, to sort of put a framework on this question, which is, do I need an X? Is usually about opening the door. There's how you get through the door, which is how mm -hmm. you get through an interview process. And then there's how you actually are amazing at the job. Mm -hmm. These are three completely different things. Correct. Um, and any of these X things can help you open a door, but there are a lot of ways to open a door that don't involve having a Kaggle score, um, don't involve necessarily having a certain degree of any kind. Um, in fact, with Kaggle stuff, I personally um, am way more interested in the questions someone is asking themselves. So it's cool if you've done a bunch of Kaggle competitions, mm. but they give you the question. I want to see, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I did this Kaggle competition and then I got really curious about this question and then I found this other data set and I took it off in this direction. Um, so it is, uh, you know, whatever you find to open the door. Um, and that could be a good elevator pitch. It could be a Twitter thread. It could be a visualization you make. Um, there are lots of ways to open doors and there's no one right way. And there are certainly some that cost a lot more in terms of time and effort than others. And I think when it comes to making an elevator pitch, like I remember when I was first finishing, like first going to get my first job thinking like, like, I don't know how to make an elevator pitch. Like there's nothing special about me. I got a degree and I want a job doing this stuff. Like what is there? Like, how do I say? And I think this is where that portfolio goes a long way. Cause by like reading, doing side projects, reading they're checking twitter like there's like you start to kind of understand like what's out there what is more interesting in you and just being like look i'm a data scientist i just finished this boot camp i'm really you know i'm fascinated by time series analysis 
um, and I'm looking for a job. But like just having anything, like like one like 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 kernel of something interesting about you is just a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, I'll add to this one of the ideas that I've found really helpful uh, in thinking about careers is. Um, something that I picked up from Scott Adams, the creator of the Dilbert cartoon. He talks about this idea of talent stacking, which is essentially, you know, if you want to be successful, you can take the route of, hey, I'm going to be in the top 1% of whatever field you're going after, or you can be pretty good at a couple of things. And so his example is, you know, he's not a great cartoonist. He's not a great writer, but he's pretty good at both. And he mixed them together and he created this amazing thing, uh, Dilbert. And there are tons of you know skills and talents out there that you can remix to create a unique, um, you know, a unique positioning for yourself. Caroline, you had something to add? Yeah, I am a massive Twitter lover, and you know, sometimes even if you don't know how to talk about yourself, you can highlight other people and get visibility about your work. And I completely agree with Jacqueline. Like, there's plenty of ways of being creative and talking about your work. When people write blog posts or now, you know, the younger data scientists, they do tutorials on YouTube. I think it's great because, you know, it's not just you show off about yourself. You you share knowledge with others. And this is how um, I think you can uh, get attention. So please be vocal on Twitter, on Discord on the different Slack accounts you can join and don't forget to give visibility to your work and yourself. And if you don't want to promote your own work, make a network of people who all can promote each other's work because there is nothing more fun than promoting your friend's work. Do any of you have recommendations for folks that want to take this opportunity to kind of skill up and you know, better position themselves for their next thing. Is there a, a generic? Can I, can I do just the opposite? About this? Can I do just the opposite? Right. So, like, I was a consultant. I was working crazy hours. Uh, the consulting contracts wind down, and I was waiting, you know, to my next job. And that absolutely could have been a time where I learned all these new skills and got even better. But I could tell that, in fact, I had been on the verge of burnout for years, and so I didn't do that. And I used this trying time to make sure that I just stayed and mentally and emotionally healthy and really trying to handle that rather than trying to, like, see if there's just one more skill I could get. And I think that ended up being really helpful for me in a way, like, taking hour-long walks was probably more helpful than an hour of learning new TensorFlow stuff. Um, which is not to say that leveling up your skills and like that stuff's not great. Like definitely if you want to do that, that's good. But also the idea that you have to use the quarantine to do this, um, I think it'd be really difficult um, and maybe don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree with um, Jack. Let's not all think that we should be uh, productive. But my mom used to say, um, try to transform the negative into something positive. So personally, you know, I was a bit depressed of not going to the gym, not being able to go out. And so I was like, what are the things that I usually push back because I have something more important to do? And I did these things. And when you are a data scientist, it can be updating your different platform. It can be reaching out to people. It can be joining a platform because you thought you were not good. It can be learning how to put code on github because i know that women for instance are underrepresented on github for the reason we mentioned earlier so i like to try to transform something bad into something that um, you can be proud about later and it can be a walk outside <laughs> <laughs> well and i think to that point like a lot of things are not data science skills but still useful like i updated the html on my website during the quarantine and like that's like learning more html isn't like a data science skills but like that actually helps me when i eventually make a dashboard things like that so there's a broad set of things that could be useful Anna, how about you your uh, a lot of your role focuses on skills development any takes on this one yeah so so for me the uh, so I get approached a lot by people, both internally at IBM and externally, that tell me, would you spend some time with me? I want to become a data scientist. Can you give me some guidance? And, and when I do that, I kind of flip the conversations to not just telling them this is how you become a data scientist, but tell me about you. Tell me why you're interested in becoming a data scientist. So this is an advice that I would give to people in the audience too, which is, you know, break it down into the things that you love. And a lot of times I find, you know, I would say 
more often than not, as we start kind of breaking apart kind of the skills that you need to become a data scientist or you know, machine learning, I find that a lot of them are really not into that. They just felt attracted to a piece of it. So I'll give you an example. Some people tell me, oh, I could spend my day cleaning data. I, I love to clean data and I love to, you know, just bring data sets together. And uh, so that's more the skill of, let's say, a data engineer persona. And I won't call it a title, I'll call it like a persona. So if that's your passion, you don't need to go and learn all the, you know, go back and refresh all your math and, and really learn machine learning because that's not what you're interested in. In other cases, I find that people are just interested in developing really cool applications. So they're a developer now and they feel like maybe I need to become a data scientist in order to build these really cool applications. Well, maybe not, you know, maybe if you're not building a machine learning model from scratch, if you're really your end goal is to build some cool applications using maybe some pre-built models, maybe some pre-built technology, focus on that. So, so I would, my advice to people in the audience would be try to break things apart, to step away from the data science as a title and kind of bring it down to what are the elements of data science that I'm interested in. And maybe there's shortcuts to get to where you really want to be that, that are not necessarily uh, becoming a data scientist. Joseph asks, um, he's run into widespread bias towards older applicants, but certainly there are other groups that um, are biased against in the, the job process. You know, any comment or advice around overcoming those kinds of biases? That's a really hard, hard right? As, as someone that's <laughs> yeah. a female, Hispanic, and on the older side, like I have three strikes, right? So it is, it is challenging and I, I personally don't think there's like a magic one to get through it um, I personally focus on my skills the things that I can do the things that I'm really good at uh, but that's easier said than, said than done unfortunately if you encounter a situation where you feel like there is biased against you for whatever reason don't waste time on it and most importantly don't let it don't take it personally so just you know there are many jobs out there. You only need one of them. Just keep going. Um, and also uh, share information about that employer with other people in your network so they don't waste their time. Um, but you can't fix someone else's bias, uh, certainly not as a candidate. How about you, Caroline? Yes. Um, Hilary, for the win, I want to say. Um, I would add that if you are coming with an inter intersectional background, meaning you face different discrimination because you are a black woman, transgender, um, and you face this issue, I agree with Hilary, don't go. However, there are like groups existing that can help you, again, to select the right places. Uh, for instance, there is queer in AI, black in AI, Latin in AI, um, LGBT in tech, for instance. So I strongly encourage people to go and look for support um, because, you know, um, I am a lesbian myself and sometimes you, you're like, no, I'm totally imagining something. And then you discuss with someone facing similar issues and you realize how much it's not just an emotion, it's a fact. And um, if you don't want to work with this kind of people. So other people made a work prior to you and go and see who supports the, which companies support these communities and who are the people in these communities that can refer you or talk with you to reassure you, refer you. For the, the people who are more privileged listening to this right now. Um, so I started on the, my career path as a white man and now I'm a trans woman. And so the big, like the, one of the biggest things now, cause this is the first time I've been on the job market as a trans woman. And the thing that's so different is now when I'm at a job interview, I have to spend so much effort being like, are these people gonna be good to me when I'm like, when I'm here? Like, like well, how many women are there? Like I'm doing all this mental math that I just did not have to do as a guy. I just like was like, oh cool, this job seems nice. I like the tech, I'm here. 
And that burden is real. It's on like minorities all the time and it is the worst. Um, so it's just like, this is like, I totally, the person asked the question, what you're dealing with is totally valid. Everyone who's in these situations, it's totally valid. If you're like, oh, that's not real. Um, Cause I haven't had to deal with it. That's probably means you have not been on the receiving end of it, but it is definitely valid and real. Yeah. I was just going to say that in this field, diversity is so important. So, so one of the things that I, that I would encourage you as a job seeker is to research the companies that you want to work for, because there's definitely a difference. I mean, some companies are really more uh, focused and more intentional about building diversity in general, but especially in data science teams, because we don't want a team of the same people, you know, uh, kind of driving decision-making in the organization or influ influencing significantly decision-making in the organization. So very important to research the companies because you will find the difference in, in terms of their diversity and inclusivity efforts. I want to make sure we get to a question uh, by Juzer Punawala. Uh, having done a bachelor in statistics, data science seems uh, best for him but a lot of universities are adding a master's in CS prerequisite. Uh, so what's actually the most important aspect of positioning yourself? We've kind of come at this from different directions. Is there an ideal set of skills or okay. best set of so skills? I will say this. Um, I started my career long before data science even existed as a term. And I think most of us here, judging by everyone's years on the field. And so for companies for years had to grapple with the fact that there's no set list requirement for what is a data scientist. And now companies were just starting to get to the point where you can get a degree in data science, but it is nowhere near normalized. Like that is not standard at all. And like some companies, you know, some schools, yeah, maybe they require a CS degree undergrad, maybe they don't. But if they are putting these strict requirements in there, they're making big assumptions that are probably not true. Like the fact that you need a CS undergrad to do masters in data science is like, that's yeah. Um, and so, and if, similarly, if a company is like, oh, we can't hire you, you only have a stats degree to do data science. That's mind boggling. So just, you know, just like if the companies are doing this, that is more of a sign that they do not know what they actually want on a team. And they're probably not a team you'd work want to work for. Then it is a sign that like, oh, you really did not take the right four year path. Or the 15 years of TensorFlow experience. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Right. <laughs> What about the the process during kind of shelter in place? We've talked a little bit about how networking is harder. Interviews are different now. Any tips for managing that? Caroline, what are you seeing in terms of the way the process has shifted uh, today? Yeah, so massively, you know, companies that were usually reluctant to have um Skype interviews or video-oriented interviews are now completely open, surprisingly. Um, and this is also adding another layer of difficulty for candidates because, you know, when you interact with someone, the body language counts uh, a lot of the percentage of how convincing you're going to look and sound. So it might sound super pragmatic, but while going through um, offline interviews, make sure to look at the camera, make sure to have a working microphone, make sure to have something to take notes in order to keep up with the flow of the conversation. These might sound silly, but you know, I've had like people, you know, that are like that. And then you have the gardener coming with the in the back in the background. This is not possible. This is not professional. If it's a kid, it's okay. But anyway, uh, this is different. And I wanted also to suggest something that we mentioned with meetups. Uh, luckily, meetup groups are going also online. So if you want, I would invite people to reach out to Meetup's organizer to try possibly to introduce their work because it might be a little bit less impressive to present it while you're at home, comfortably seated, instead of having like the hundreds of faces in front of you. <laughs> so this is another negative thing that you can switch into an opportunity. Any additional um, thoughts on taking the process virtual? I would just say to that point, um, the, the lack of conferences is really hard, but like Twitter, data science Twitter is so good. Like I really get a lot of value meeting people, replying to them. And it's just, just Twitter. That's the social network for me. Um, so I'd highly recommend if you're a data scientist, you want to network, you can't go to conferences and you're not on Twitter, then like definitely get on Twitter. 
Awesome. Awesome. So we're uh, winding down now as the last few questions come in. Um, maybe I'll have each of you take a moment to kind of your top three words of advice or top couple of, you know, takeaways, the number one thing you would do, uh, whichever way you'd like to go with it. Uh, Hillary. Great. Um, I think my top takeaway or bit of advice is that um, at least a lot of the folks I've been talking to now and my friends who are job hunting are doing so in an environment that has a ton of anxiety uh, in it. And of course, making major life decisions while you're suffering through anxiety and, uh, you know, stuck at home dealing with responsibilities there um, is always a terrible idea. So the one bit of advice I'd say is to try to keep things as systematic and objective as you can to remember that you are awesome. There are a lot of people out there who will help celebrate you. Sam being the one who kicked all of this off by uh, retweeting people's accomplishments. I'm happy to do the same. Um, and uh, you need to set down some criteria and rules for yourself about, you know, what do you need to make on top of that? What are the things that you prioritize in a position that'll make it one where you can actually really succeed over time? Um, and then systematically approach finding it and trying to do so in a way that your own anxiety doesn't drive you to weaker choices than you might have otherwise made. And I know that's very hard to do. So rely on your friends uh, to help you there too. Caroline? Yeah, on my side, I would say, book discussions with peers, read, watch tutorials, make something that is going to inspire you. And I'm going to quote Jacqueline, walk outside if it's your thing. And I wanted also to stress successful stories. <laughs> um, I have helped um, 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 a student, an Indian student who got you know, uh, abandoned. He was supposed to do an internship in Amsterdam. And he reached out to me and I just connected him with my Indian network and he just uh, found um, an internship. Um, another female um, member of WMLDS reached out because she was looking for a PhD. She did a LinkedIn post, a Twitter post, and she got hundreds of answers. So don't give up. Just try stuff. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. It's like a massive A-B test that we're all going through. <laughs> and we're going to learn on the way. Jacqueline? Yeah, so I think what I'm going to say is like kind of a rewording of what Hillary said, but like I really believe it. Um, you know, so I just got off the job market because I was looking for a new job. And I really, like, I had to make a lot of, like, like letting go ego things. So I'm very happy with the job I got, principal data scientist, like, small company, like, really what I was looking for. But, like, I had to, like, really, like, I was checking LinkedIn and I had to, like, say, like, I guess I'm ready to take a job at, like, a lower title than I'm used to. And, like, I had to give up. Like, that's a lot of career progression I was giving up when I was making those decisions. And it's just terrible. And there's not like a cool thing I could say on a panel that makes that easy. And it's not like there's anything about me that made it happen. It was the environment, it was the virus, but that's the reality of the situation. And I think the more you can dissociate that from your own well, like sense of worth, like the more I can be like, I'm still gonna be a good data scientist, even in, I'm still gonna love it, even if I'm a senior data scientist instead of a principal, things like that, the easier it is. But that's not something that's easy to do and it takes a lot of practice mm -hmm. and time and like you shouldn't beat yourself up over it if you are having these sorts of struggles. Anna? Um, what I will say is that uh, this is a multidisciplinary field. So as you are out there, let's say you're transitioning from one career to a data science career or just embarking on it, make sure that you really sell all the other expertise that you have as it relates to data science. So I'll just use an example. You worked in marketing for 10 years and you've been upskilling yourself and you, you, know, you came up with a couple of projects in your company, but you've only been doing data science for a year. Um, I would say your value is, is exponentially higher when you bring together all that marketing expertise and your data science knowledge. So a lot of times in our efforts to switch careers, we want to oversell the new thing and say, I've been doing all this and kind of ignore the rest. I would say in this field, at least from my perspective, because it's such a multidisciplinary field, because having different perspectives, different domain expertise is so critical make sure that you're not underselling your whole package of skills. 
one meta question we've gotten, we've, we've had a, a bunch of questions come in. I tried to identify the ones that have the most broad impact. Uh, but a lot of people have very specific questions. I'm in situation X. I'm thinking about Y. What do I do? Any thoughts on how uh, folks can get those kinds of questions answered? Sure. I'll take a stab. Google it. Follow people who are good on Twitter. Right? Do some research. And if it turns out that no one has a consistent answer, there's not a quick answer, there's probably no answer, right? Like the question I was just saying, should I drop down to a senior data scientist because of the virus? Like, how will that impact my career? No, answer to that. I mean, no one's going to know that. Yeah, like, I don't know that. Who, like, are you going to know that, Sam? Like, no one's going to know that. And I think the idea that each one of these questions needs an answer before you could proceed on with your life is like that, like, let go of the idea that you have to have a definitive answer. Do some Googling, follow experts, um, read blog posts, but don't like, don't try and like optimize every little moment of your life. Yeah, I think that echoes a point that Hillary made in our uh, our pre-chat um, you know, this is a time of tremendous uncertainty and we don't, you know, we don't know what's coming. We've not experienced this before. Uh, and so to a large degree, kind of pursuing a, a career moves in this time is going to require being at least, uh, being comfortable with that certainty, uncertainty, at least to, uh, some degree. Oh, I also should have said, oh, and buy my book. That'll get you the answer. That's the one way. <laughs> That's it. And listen Everything to my else podcast. Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I'd like to thank all of you for uh, participating in this panel. What a wonderful discussion. And thanks, everyone, for contributing your questions uh, in, in the chat. Once again, thanks to IBM for sponsoring this discussion. We will have the video. Well, the video will be up on YouTube as soon as we're done at the same URL. So be sure to share it with your friends and, you know, feel free to continue the conversation in the comments. Thanks so much for participating, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. For more information on today's show, visit twimlai.com slash shows. As always, Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.